Alrighty, hello everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Where the Wild Things Grow. This is your host, Samantha Smith, Master Certified Life Coach, Spiritual Coach, and owner of Sacred Blue Transitions. Now, before we get started, I'm just going to go ahead and preface my story with this. Just a little visual representation that I want you guys to keep in mind, okay? So, imagine a three-strand braid, okay? Now, one strand represents my spiritual journey, one strand represents my personal experiences, and one strand represents my career path. And the whole braid itself represents my journey. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the fact that, like, everything is connected. So, regarding my journey, it only makes sense that these strands are intertwined. I'm going to try my best to, like touch on key moments here and there but like I'm not going to get into the fine details of a lot of things there will be some stuff that I kind of omit uh such as names and stuff like that for privacy purposes of course um but yeah so everyone ready all right I suggest you guys buckle the fuck up because uh (laughs) this is gonna be quite a ride so uh yeah Alrighty, um, I was born and raised in the Colleen Fort Hood area of Texas. Uh, I spent the first 21 years of my life here before I moved away, which we'll get to later. Um, and in case you're wondering, no, my parents were never in the military. Uh, however, both of my grandpas were. My parents ended up being those high school sweethearts who like married young, fresh out of high school, And when they were about 20 or so, um, I decided to bless them with my presence. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so at a young age, I mean, I always knew or felt as though I was different. Uh, I seemed to be aware of and I seemed to understand much more than like the adults around me believed. And uh, let's see, I was able to read people pretty well. And in some ways, I knew how certain aspects of the world worked already. I always knew that, like, I was attracted to the same sex. And I always knew that I didn't quite fit in to my environment most of the time. So I was different as a child. And, uh, you know, it's funny because as a child, I was aware of a lot of things, but I wasn't aware of labels, I guess. So uh, now as an adult, of course, you know, several of society's labels come to mind. Uh, Empath, for sure. Uh, Old soul in the literal context. Like, (laughs) this definitely isn't my first rodeo here on this planet. And uh, the other label that comes to mind is lesbian. Anyway, um, I wouldn't say I had a good childhood, but I also wouldn't say I had an awful one. Uh, I think my parents did the best that they could with what they had. Financially, emotionally, physically. As an adult, I realized they were people too who were experiencing their own journeys. You know, they had and probably still have their own traumas and blocks and stuff that they're dealing with. So, I mean, nowadays, I try to cut them some slack. However, I still acknowledge the fact that my environment 
or the environment that I was raised in was not ideal for the type of growth I needed. Um, The way my parents treated certain aspects of me uh, was the beginning of how my mindset was being wired, you know, and I always felt that they thought I was too loud or too opinionated or, you know, too talkative and too boyish. Um, They didn't seem to approve of the way I thought, the way I dressed, or the way I loved, Um, which ultimately made me feel and believe that I wasn't good enough. You know, I was inadequate. And that left me in what felt like a constant state of sadness. Um, And eventually, I got tired of feeling vulnerable, so my sadness evolved into anger. And, you know, as I guess a young child, anger felt strong, or stronger than sadness anyway. Um... And now, real quick, as we continue, you'll kind of notice that, like, I struggled internally for many years with this weird version of, like, narcissism. So, basically, I had a really bad superiority complex to combat a inferiority complex, complex that I had. I guess I believed in some way that in order to defeat a monster, you had to become one. And I still kind of believe that now. I just view it in a different way. But that's like a a totally different story. Um, Now, I'm sure you're wondering like where I'm going with this and how it's relevant to my journey. But like, don't worry, I'm I'm getting there. I just kind of wanted to give y'all a little trauma-filled history on yours truly. before we get to the good stuff. So, childhood. The old state of being a child. Um, so, I have a little brother. Uh, we're about five years apart. I love him to death. He's one of my favorite people. Um, and of course, it wasn't always like that. I mean, I'm sure most siblings fight and bicker. We did. Um, and he was a real pain in my ass at one point. (laughs) And I'm sure if you asked him, he would probably say the same thing about me. So, you know, no hard feelings. (laughs) Um, But yeah, growing up, uh, I loved music and art. I still do. Um, I was pretty athletic at one point. I played competitive fast pitch softball from the time I was like eight-ish through some parts of high school. Emphasis on the sum. (laughs) Uh, which I'll get to. But uh, yeah, I played soccer, basketball, I ran a little track, um, and I even played football for my middle school and high school. So like seventh grade, eighth grade, and my freshman year, um, yeah, I I played football. Um, And I guess I did it because, well, I mean, one, the superiority-inferiority complex. Um... But also, I mean, even back then, I was a feminist, and I hated being told no or that I couldn't do something. Um, But anyway, uh, I had goals back then. Uh, I wanted to play college softball. Uh, I wanted to go to, like, a big university like 
the University of Tennessee or UCLA or something um, via a scholarship, of course, because <laughs> I don't know how I would have afforded it any other way. Um, and then after college, I wanted to join the U.S. Olympic softball team. And I'm sure you're thinking like, holy shit, that's a pretty specific goal. And yeah, it was. Um, Softball was life for a very long time. Um, And I had a lot of really cool experiences uh, while I was playing on the competitive team, which I won't get into. Maybe I'll talk about it some other episode, but uh, yeah. So um, my freshman year of high school comes, you know, and I'm thinking, yo, this is it. Like, now's my time to shine. I want these college scouts to notice me. So I have to be the best. And uh, I actually quit football so I could dedicate more time to softball. And uh, tryouts come and I'm like busting my ass. I'm pulling all the tricks out of the hat. You know, I'm like diving Superman style to catch balls and stuff. And I'm thinking, hell yeah. I left it all out on the field. I'm going to be a starter on varsity for sure. Like, compared to half these girls on the varsity team already, I'm faster, I'm stronger, more willing to get dirty. Like, it's a wrap. I'm in there. (laughs) Well, uh, much to my surprise, uh, I didn't make varsity. Um, I actually made junior varsity. Had I gone to any other school in the district, I would have been on varsity. But for whatever reason, the rule for this coach was no freshman on varsity. Now, as I'm sure you can probably imagine, um, I was devastated. And that experience triggered a lot of childhood trauma, which, again, you know, had me believing that my best wasn't enough. I was inadequate. Um, That next year, my sophomore year, uh, I tried out again and made varsity, which was dope. I was happy, but that year, several freshmen made varsity too, which to me was a huge slap in the face and just kind of further solidified that I wasn't good enough. So uh, y'all noticing a pattern yet or no? (laughs) Um, but yeah, from that moment on, I think is where my path really started to change its course. Um, (laughs) I no longer gave a shit about softball and my goals. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't think I really had goals after that for quite some time. Um, I figured if all my hard work and effort meant nothing anyway, then it was like, I might as well do what the fuck I want. So... Uh, to fill the void I had in my soul, I turned to alcohol, drugs, and my personal favorite, um, casual sex. (laughs) Now, I'm not trying to slut shame myself, because I don't believe in that, but, um, your girl has been around a few blocks a few times. Let me just, (laughs) let me just put it to you that way. And you know, when, like, you don't love yourself or know your worth, you tend to gravitate toward or even attract people who aren't good for you. So aside from the casual sex, I mean, I went through some really weird relationships. Like, I dated this girl who was the definition of chaos. She's not anymore, I don't think, 
but like I don't know I guess she's like a mom now and like she seems pretty chill but dude (laughs) at one point she was the type of person that left a trail of destruction behind her and she would like stop to smell the burning villages not the roses the villages (laughs) she was intense to say the least um as a matter of fact Um, I remember this one time when she burned me with a lighter on purpose. Uh, Because, like, okay, so she was cheating on me. I found out. I confronted her about it. And we're, like, driving, right? I'm I'm driving. She's in the passenger seat of my truck. And we're arguing about the situation. And in the midst of that, she puts a cigarette to her lips and pushes the circular vehicle lighter in, right? Right? And I'm not thinking anything about it because I'm like, okay, cool. She's about to smoke because whatever, uh, smoke or smoke. (laughs) But, um, yeah. So y'all probably know where this is going, but, um, we're arguing, you know, and the lighter pops out because it's ready to be used or whatever. And she grabs that motherfucker and burns my arm with it. So I pulled over and made her walk home because, you know, fuck that. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's just an example of <laughs> how intense she was. And, uh, let's see, uh, oh, I also dated my manager from my first job, who was 15 years my senior, so I was 17 and she was 32, which isn't a big deal, but is a big deal. I mean, I have two stepdaughters who are teenagers, And, like, if some 32-year-old man or woman was trying to date one of them, I would probably call them a pedophile. Like, (laughs) but also, I mean, I've always dated older women or slept with older women. I mean, my wife now, for example, is 9 or 10 years older than me. So, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. If Sarah Paulson can do it, then so can I. (laughs) And that's going to be my my excuse for the rest of my life. If Sarah Paulson can, then so can I. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, moving on. Uh, so the manager lady, um, she was a train wreck too. Uh, we broke up and um, I say broke up with air quotes. You, you can't see them, obviously. This is a podcast, but uh, I am air quoting the shit out of broke up. We broke up <coughs> And she somehow ended up at this, like, low-key get-together I was at. And, um, anyway, she, like, skinny-dipped by herself for, like, five minutes and then left. And, like, an hour later, I'm at my best friend's apartment. We're, we're chilling. And I start getting these insane phone calls and texts from, like, the manager lady's mom and oldest daughter. And they're, like, accusing me of, like, letting her drink and drive and shit. And they were saying, like, oh, she got into an accident and she she's in critical care and they weren't sure if she was going to make it. And, you know, they, they said, it, it, it's all your fault. We, we hate you, blah, blah, blah. And so my best friend, myself, and this lady, we, we all worked together at the time. So my best friend obviously knew her. And my best friend, bless her heart, she she's one of those very sensitive cancers. So 
uh, my best friend, she starts crying, right? And she's talking about, oh my God, dude, like, I can't believe it. I hope she's okay. It didn't even seem like she drank that much. And meanwhile, my skeptical Capricorn ass is like, yeah, uh, this equation doesn't make sense. I don't believe it. So uh, let's go check it out. Let's go investigate. So um, we get into the car and we head over to the manager lady's apartment and we find her truck strategically parked in another parking lot. And yeah, she was totally fine. She was at home in her bed just acting fucking crazy. Like she went the distance and got her mother and her daughter involved created this whole fucking lie where she like basically faked her death or some shit like what the fuck (laughs) like uh, anyway so yeah again when you don't love yourself (laughs) those are the sort of relationships you end up in and um you know eventually though I, I did end up meeting a nice gal Uh, We were in college and we moved in together and she got me a dog and that's how I ended up with my first fur baby, uh, my basset hound named Luna. Um, She'll actually be 12 in November now that I'm thinking about it. But um, yeah, and so this girl, she also got me two aquatic turtles, which I named Samson and Delilah from the Bible. And that's ironic on so many levels now that I'm thinking about it. Um, One, because, you know, Samson, my name being Sam, and Delilah, and her middle name being Delia. Um, Also the fact that, like, you know, Delilah betrayed Samson and this girl betrayed me. (laughs) No big deal. Um, So this was my first real heartbreak in a relationship. So this kind of, like, kick-started the ebb and flow portion of my journey And again, it's all relevant, like I promise, so so just stay with me, okay? So yeah, um, one morning she woke up and out of the blue was like, I don't want to be with you anymore. No explanation at all, just I need you to move out. And I was fucking crushed, of course, because I mean, I thought everything was fine up until that point. Um, but anyway, so I, I grab a couple of clothes, clothing items, I guess. And, um, I grabbed Luna and I went back to my parents' house for like two weeks. Cause I figured, I don't know, maybe she just needs some fucking space or something. And then, uh, over that time we talked and we basically decided that, yeah, no, it was, it was final. Um, so I went back to the apartment to grab the rest of my clothes Uh, I decided to leave her everything. Like, I was the one that furnished that whole fucking apartment other than her bed, but I didn't want her to be asked out, so I I just gave it to her. Um, And I was, you know, gathering the rest of my little things in the bathroom and, you know, my my clothes or whatever. And um, so while I'm there, I find a pregnancy test in the bathroom trash can And I find some random fucking dude's clothes folded up with mine. And come to find out, she had been cheating on me with some dude at her job for like probably a month before we broke up. 
And, like, nowadays I realize that, like, you know, that that was part of her journey. You know, like, the whole self-discovery thing. Like, she realized that she wasn't a lesbian and that maybe she was, like, bisexual or pansexual or whatever label she subscribes to. But in that moment, like, again, I felt inadequate. I felt like I was not good enough. I felt unworthy. And so... After that, uh, I developed some real addictions, Um, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, the casual sex. Um, And there was actually like a two-week stint where I would take bars in the morning to numb everything. And then in the afternoon, I would take Adderall to amp me up so I could go out and party and drink with my friends. Now, some of y'all are probably like, bars? What, What the fuck is that? So, bars is Texas slang for Xanax. Um, Obviously, it's a prescription anti-anxiety medication that's shaped like a rectangle or a bar. Um, Hence, bars. And um, there's like four little quadrants or whatever. And I guess like however it's prescribed to you, you're supposed to break off a quadrant and take it as needed or whatever the fuck. But um, yeah, I was not prescribed Xanax or Adderall. (laughs) Um, I just had a drug dealer who would sell them to me and then I would abuse them. Um, and I usually took more than the recommended dose. Uh, not always orally either. Um, I preferred to crush them up and snort them, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was basically that. Um, and eventually, you know, to... To everyone's surprise, uh, the combination of uppers and downers eventually made me sick. Shocking. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm sure everyone gasped just now. Like, no fucking way. But yeah, Uh, the drugs started to make me sick. And uh, yeah, so my mom um, had to take me to the ER one night. And, you know, they did what they did to help me. And... Then eventually we went home and my mom sat me down and was like, um, either you go to rehab or move out, but you can't live here and keep doing this to yourself. So I told her I wasn't going to no damn rehab because who the fuck can afford that? (laughs) Um, but I did agree to stop using drugs. So I warned her that it may not be easy and it may not be pretty, but I could do it. Um, a few days later, my mom ends up getting word that, like, the contracting company we were working for wanted to send her to Washington State so she could manage a contract there. And yes, I said the contracting company we were working for. Because even though I was doing a lot of partying and even though I was fucking a lot of people and even though I was doing a lot of drugs... I was still a responsible, functional adult. Like, I still had bills to pay. I still went to work. I still worked really hard and got my shit done because I actually don't know why. Um, Maybe that's just the Capricorn in me, I guess. Um, But anyway, uh, so, you know, with this job offer that my mom got, um, she invited me to come along. Um, And I agreed to go. And when I say she invited me to come along, I mean, her way of doing it was, so I'm moving to Washington and you should move with me because you're not doing anything besides fucking up your life here. (laughs) 
And I was like, okay, well, sure. Um, so about a month later, my best friend, yes, the sensitive cancer that I was talking about earlier, uh, my best friend, my mom, and myself, we all load up our clothes and pets, and we ride out toward the west. Now, upon arrival, I experienced some cultural shock for the very first time. Um, everything looked different landscape-wise, and the weather was certainly different, but the people were different. The way they spoke and dressed and presented themselves... Like, I've traveled through most of, like, the southern states before. I have a lot of family that lives throughout the south. Um, and I feel like I had been as far north as, like, Utah maybe. But living somewhere that was so different was, well, different. I mean, I, 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 was, I was excited. Um, and so, you know, I mean couple of months had gone by and eventually my best friend and I, we, we made some, some Washingtonian friends, uh, which was also exciting. They kind of showed us the ropes and taught us how to not look like tourists, which, uh, if you ever move to Washington state, do not buy an umbrella. Apparently that's like a telltale sign of tourism. Like the people in Washington just suck it the fuck up and deal with the rain and tourists walk around with umbrellas. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we, we made some friends and during, uh, that time I met a girl and I'll, I'll call her B for now. Um, and now B plays a pretty crucial role in my journey. Um, so, so pay attention. Okay. So B and I were together for four years and during that time, she taught me so much. Like, first and foremost, um, she taught me unconditional love. She was kind and generous, thoughtful and gentle. Like, she never hurt me in any way. And that was really the first time in my life I experienced unconditional love. Like, I had waited 21 years for someone to appreciate me for who I was and... She did. And um, she taught me a lot about spirituality, which was something I didn't even know existed. Like, I grew up in a Christian household. My parents were Baptist, and my granny, who babysat me most of the time, was Catholic. So, um, yeah, she, she opened up my mind and opened up my eyes to all these different levels of spirituality. And um, she also taught me about being an entrepreneur. Um, while we were together, actually, she got her health coaching certification and her personal trainer certification. Um, and she started her own business, which was wild to me because, like, I never met someone with such a drive and dedication. Like, I never knew being my own boss was even an option until she showed me that anything was possible. And it was during that time, actually, when I realized for the first time that I wanted to be a life coach. I wanted to be someone who helped others and was a good role model, just as she was for me. 
And um, at one point, I think we actually talked about like having our own business together. Like she would do her, you know, health coach, personal training thing. And I was going to be like a life coach. And we would like, you know, tag team life or whatever. And um, yeah, so like all of a sudden I was experiencing like a million and one new things. And um, it was during that time, though that I realized in order to obtain these new goals, I would have to embrace change. I needed to let go of the old trauma-filled version of me so I could rise as this new shining light of a person. But change was new and change was scary and my whole identity at that point had revolved around my trauma for like so long that I didn't know who I would be without it. And I was entirely too scared to find out. So eventually the time came when B brought up marriage and the possibility of kids. And uh, because I wasn't willing to reinvent myself, um, I didn't think I was worthy of her love. I felt undeserving of such a pure person. Like, I felt, again, inadequate. So, um, I left her. I broke her fucking heart. And in the process, broke my own too. Um, now a lot of things kind of took place after that. Um, but for the most part, the year following the breakup, um... I invested a lot of my time into work. Um, I failed to mention this, but throughout this whole story, for the most part, I was still federal contracting for the same company. So from the time I was 19 until the time I was 26. And this is important for the next part of my story. But um, yeah, so I invested all of my time into work. And during my downtime, I started my journey of self-discovery. So in B's absence, I explored all the things that she had taught me, you know, like spirituality and life coaching and just all this stuff. And I ended up stumbling upon uh, the law of attraction, gratitude stones, and also vision boards. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book and or the documentary, The Secret. Um, If you have no idea what I'm talking about, look it up when you get the chance. If you know what I'm talking about, then you know what the fuck I'm talking about. (laughs) So, um, and same with the law of attraction, gratitude stones and vision boards. If you don't know what those are, look them up. At some point in a future episode, I'll probably be talking more about these, but Basically, the law of attraction is just what you put into the universe is what you get out of it. Gratitude stones are basically rocks that you carry around in your pocket. And every time you touch it, you name things that you're grateful for. And a vision board is basically just a handmade, homemade visual representation of things that you want or goals. Um... But yeah, so I ended up stumbling upon these things and I started to implement them into my life. 
And I was like heavy into this shit. And uh, so, yeah, I, I ended up getting this promotion at work and I was so stoked about it because I was like, oh, my God, dude, like this shit is actually working. Like all this spiritual shit that I've been trying is fucking working. Um, but, yeah, so the promotion that I got, um, I got an offer to move to Hawaii and the offer was move to Hawaii and be the project manager over a contract that I would build there. Right. And I mean, I had known the CEO and like the whole family of this company for like 10 years. So like, I was stoked about it. Like they called me family and they would tell me that they would love me and shit. And like, we had a really good rapport. So, you know, I trusted them. I trusted that this was going to be a good experience. And, uh, you know, with, with this promotion, they promised to, like, support me in every way I needed them to, whether it was financially or, like, logistics-wise. They basically said, whatever you need, like, we're here for you. Well, needless to say, uh, that was a fucking lie. So, for the brief six months that I was there, um, I had, like, little to no support. Um, I was working seven days a week from sunup until sundown and I was coming out of pocket for a lot of like materials and supplies and shit like that, that we needed for the contract. And in addition to that, the salary that was promised to me wasn't enough to sustain me. Like a lot of people don't realize this about Hawaii, but, um, it's expensive as fuck. Okay, let me repeat that. It is expensive as fuck. So, I mean, most people there work like three jobs just to get by. Like, I'm not shitting you. Like, every single one of my employees there, that was their third fucking job. And they were barely fucking scraping by. So, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Financially, I wasn't in a good place. So much so that um, I could almost barely afford to pay my bills. And where I was staying at was completely fucking empty. Like I had like a few dishes and some silverware and like personal hygiene items. But dude, that was fucking it. I didn't have any fucking furniture. I didn't have shit. It was an empty fucking house, dude. Like I didn't even have a bed to sleep on. I slept on the fucking floor. And most days, I couldn't even afford food. Like, I starved for days, literally. Like, seriously, like, I fucking starved for days at a time. And I just felt like... (laughs) Sorry, I... Every time I talk about Hawaii, like, I get kind of fucked up about it. So, um, just ignore the crying. But, um, like... All my fucking hard work and all my loyalty to this company, to these people, for like 10 years, dude, it meant fucking nothing. Like, I cried every single night. Every single night, dude. Every single night that I was there. And, like, that little spark of hope that I had before I moved to Hawaii had, like, died out completely. Um, I eventually had to, like, ask my cousin for money so I could leave the island. And, uh, by that time, I had lost so much weight from literally starving 
that I became pretty sick. And uh, the last two nights that I was there, <laughs> I remember I I was laying on the floor and I was using my backpack as a pillow and a towel as a blanket. <laughs> and dude, I I wished to die in my sleep. Like, I felt so fucking weak and I was so tired. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't talk about Hawaii often, obviously. Um, I, I try to be okay with it. And I try to, like, understand that, like, it was necessary, you know, like, it was part of my journey. But, dude, when you're in a situation like that, it's not something that you get over easily but um anyway uh so after the island um I moved back to Washington and uh I lived in and out of hotels for a little while and I mean I I had no fucking money like none um but I did have a couple of credit cards so uh, I kind of put myself in debt just trying to fucking live and uh eventually i ended up moving in with my mom and um i i didn't mention this earlier but before i moved to the island uh i met this girl and while i was on the island we kept in touch and then once i got back to washington she wanted to be in a relationship with me so we gave it a shot and uh just keep that in mind cuz that's going to be Relevant to the next part of my story. So, Hawaii fucked me up pretty bad, obviously. It's still something that uh, makes me cry, so obviously. Um, And um, I guess Hawaii fucked me up so bad that I somehow developed crippling anxiety. And... uh, It was so bad that entire year of 2017, um, I, I I couldn't drive. Uh, if, if I got in my car and I drove less than a mile away from home, like I would have a full blown panic, panic attack. Like I would cry and shake and I would start hyperventilating, which would almost make me black out sometimes, which was really fucking scary because it's like, bro, I'm in a moving vehicle. If I black out, like, there's going to be a crash. So, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't drive. Um, I didn't drive that whole fucking year. Um, and because I didn't drive, I could no longer work outside of home. Uh, so I worked from home part-time. And Sam, yes, the girl I was dating, we have the same fucking name, which is fucking ironic. Um, But Sam, she was around more often than not, so I relied on her to take me places. (sighs) Which was difficult because Sam was abusive. So I found out 
earlier in the year that she was cheating on me. And so, of course, I didn't trust her, which pissed her off. And she was just mean. Like, she was possessive over me and controlling. Like, she didn't want me to have friends. She didn't want me to talking to anyone. And she would, like, talk shit to me about my anxiety. <laughs> and um, she would yell and scream and break shit. And she would slam me into things and hit me. And, uh, yeah, I just let her do it. Um, I didn't have any more fight left in me. Um, surviving in Hawaii took everything that I fucking had. And, uh. When I left the island and I returned to Washington, I was a shell of a person. I didn't know who I was. And uh, looking back, I, I still don't recognize that person. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, 2017 was not a good year. Um, I had to battle crippling anxiety and a fucking abusive girlfriend simultaneously. Uh, oh, and um, I also had a cancer scare during that year. Uh, I had some like high grade cells or some shit, but I, I had them removed and stuff. And that was a fucking awesome experience. I loved every second of it, as I'm sure that you could imagine, you know. <laughs> I had crippling fucking anxiety and here I am having medical procedures done and shit. Like that shit was fucking scary. And um, anyway, by the end of 2017, my mom convinced me to move back home to Texas um, because she realized that I was getting worse as opposed to getting better. And um, my dad actually offered to help me get back on my feet. So, by February of 2018, I was home again. And after everything I had been through, up until that point, I realized I wanted and deserved more. And for the first time, I realized that nobody is going to love me like me. Nobody is going to value me like me. And I needed to stop allowing people to use and abuse me for their benefit. So I applied all the spiritual things I had learned to my life. And I started to ease back into driving. Um, I worked a few jobs here and there and quit the moment that I felt they didn't appreciate me. Because I was tired of that shit. And... Uh, in the midst of all that, I ended up finding my beautiful wife. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I guess eventually I had enough of people's shit and I decided to become my own boss. Um, I finally became a life coach and I started my own business. And um, I, I can totally drive again, by the way. Um, all is fine there except for bridges which is 
fucking weird. Um, I don't know why, but bridges still make me panic. And, like, it's the weirdest shit. Like, if I know that there's a bridge, I'll freak the fuck out. But if I don't know that there's a bridge and I'm already fucking at it, it's like, well, I don't have a fucking choice and I have to cross this motherfucker now. <laughs> but, um, driving, I'm I'm good. Uh, as a matter of fact, my wife and I, uh, just last year for Thanksgiving, we took a trip to Alabama so she could meet my extended family. And uh, I, I drove most of the time. So, um, I'm slowly but surely coming around to being better um and I would say overall I'm happy and and I'm healthy and you know that that's what matters um obviously when I reflect on really hard fucking moments in my life like it still kind of fucks me up a little bit um and I'm not quite sure why I mean I think it's just having to relive it and retell it and think about how fucking horrible it really was. Like, again, like I said at the beginning of this, like, I'm just touching on key moments. Like, I'm not even telling you guys, like, the fine fucking details of everything that happened. Like, there was so much shit that happened to me in between all the stuff that I'm telling you. And it's just... (sighs) Life has been... yeah life has life has been (laughs) let's just say that life has been but um yeah so that was basically I mean that was basically the story of my long journey to like self-love and becoming a business owner um you know it took hitting rock fucking bottom having absolutely no one and nothing and dying in a way I guess I yeah I mean now that I'm thinking about it it's like the person that I was when I went to Hawaii was not the person that I was when I returned um I I died on that island I think and uh the person who came back was not a person it was just a vessel and the person that I am now is better for it, stronger, um, smarter, um, more humble and kind. And I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying I didn't deserve love and stuff back then because I, I definitely did. I mean, I wasn't a saint, but, you know, I, I wasn't a bad person. Um, but anyway... Uh, so yeah, that was, that was that. And, uh, so a couple of folks on Facebook actually, um, had the opportunity to ask me some questions about my journey. So I'm just kind of gonna, I'm just going to kind of, oh my God, my tongue got tied there. Um, so I'm just going to kind of, uh, go over those really quick and give them some answers. Uh, There were only two questions really so the first one is like a combo question which is how do you control anxiety and depression without medication (laughs) so uh short answer (laughs) i don't (laughs) um i don't 
Uh, long answer is, so fun fact, when I moved back from Hawaii, my anxiety was so fucking out of control. My body had changed. Like I, and even now I'm still, uh, like hypersensitive to things, but I was super sensitive to like anything and everything that I put into my body and and I'm talking about like like when I got back from Hawaii, if I had a headache and I took Tylenol, I could this is going to sound fucking crazy, but I could feel inside of my body when the medication started to work because I was so overly aware of everything and because I felt that shift within my body it triggered fucking panic attacks. So I didn't have the luxury of taking medications. Um, I didn't have the luxury of like taking anxiety meds and depression meds at that point because it caused more damage than it did good. And um, even now, I'm not going to lie to you guys, even fucking now, my body is so sensitive to shit. So like... um. I I mean, I, I can take Tylenol and stuff now and be okay. Um, but, like, I, I have seasonal allergies, for example. Um, and the seasonal allergies, I mean, come during, like, summertime and fall time, of course. So, now. <laughs> and I can't... Well, I say I can't. Um, I don't take adult allergy medicine. I actually take children's liquid grape flavored (laughs) allergy medication and um I take like the minimum dose so like I I'm I microdose myself um so I mean for me I don't necessarily want to say that I control my anxiety and depression but like I don't have the luxury of taking medication I would really prefer not to um I guess I would say I just found ways to cope with anxiety and depression. Like, I found ways to cope with myself and my little quirks that I have now. Um, You know, I avoid people that trigger my anxiety. I set boundaries now. Uh, Boundaries are super important for empaths or people who have fucking anxiety like um I don't engage in activities that give me anxiety like if it's gonna cause more bad than it is good then fuck it I'm not doing that shit uh same thing with driving like (laughs) if I know that there is a bridge up ahead I will look to see if there's an alternative route like if I think I can handle it and go over the bridge I will But if I'm in a place where I'm like, I don't know, I'm feeling kind of weird today, then you know what? Who gives a shit if I take the long way? Who gives a shit if I take the scenic route to get to a fucking place? Like, I don't know, man. I just, I I learned to cope with it as opposed to controlling it. Um, And you know, it's like, you have to cut yourself some fucking slack about it. Like, you have to give yourself fucking grace. Like, you you can't beat yourself up about it. You can't be ashamed about it. You can't, 
dwell on it in this negative space, you know, like, you just have to come to terms with the fact that that may be something that you need. And you're honoring yourself by allowing yourself to have those things. So yeah, I mean, I just cope, dude. I I, I don't know. <laughs> and um, let's see. The second question is, what is it that you're most hoping to accomplish in this life coach journey? <sighs> what a good question. Um, so other than the obvious, which is I want to help people, <laughs> um, I think what I'm most hoping to accomplish is I'm wanting to use this as a stepping stone for something greater. And I know that that sounds very vague, and I mean, it is, <laughs> but I know that there's some greater purpose out there for me. What it is, I don't quite know yet. I'm just trying to kind of let it naturally happen, like organically just kind of come to me. Um, but I know that I'm destined for something greater than just life coaching. And, and I'm not saying life coaching is bad. I love it. Like... I love being able to help people, like, I love being my own boss, like, I, I just, all around, I, I love it, but I don't just want to be a life coach or a spiritual coach, like, I want to be more, I want to offer more, so, um, yeah, I guess I just want to use this part of my journey as a stepping stone toward whatever is in my future, <laughs> And, um, yeah, so I, I hope that that answers y'all's questions. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed the story. Um, I realized it was kind of long and I realized that there were kind of some side stories to it or whatever, but, um, I hope that you guys enjoyed the podcast and, um, there will be a new episode coming out, um, every Saturday, so... Obviously, I want you guys to stay tuned for those. Um, next weekend, actually, I'm going to do a podcast about uh, paranormal experiences. Since, you know, it is spooky season and Halloween um, will be that Saturday. So I figured that would be a perfect topic for that. Um, I'll be telling you guys a little bit about my own personal paranormal experiences. And then uh, I am going to have a guest speaker um, who's going to tell us a little bit uh, about her experiences. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you guys like sticking around and listening. I really appreciate all the support and all the love. And um, I mean, right, right back at you guys, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for y'all. Um, I'm putting good vibes out there and, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, how every single one of you are blossoming and coming into your own. Um, and I hope that my story helps someone in some way. You know, I hope that I was able to inspire someone in some way who may be going through something and feeling like the fucking world is ending. Like, just remember, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave you guys with this, okay? Just remember, your current situation...
is not your final destination, okay? That's very important, all right? When the fucking weight of the world is on your shoulders and you feel like you can't fucking take any more, just remember your current situation is not your final destination, okay? All right, well, I'm gonna let y'all go now. So, um, yeah, I'm out.